DJ, PK, it's time to talk NBA hoops with Ben Golliver from the Washington Post. He joins us on the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Ben, good morning. How you guys doing? We're doing well. How long you been in the bubble and how are you holding up? Oh, you know, I lost track of the days a while ago, probably three weeks now, something like that. But uh, I'll say better than when I first got here. You know, they had us locked in that hotel room for a week, which was, uh, you know, a real immersion program to our, our new lives. But so far, with the games going, it feels like life's getting back to normal. It feels like we've got multiple games every single day, kind of like a daily doubleheader. So uh, for a basketball fan, it's pretty darn good. General reaction regarding the competition. Much better than I expected, I'd say that. And I, I give a lot of credit to the superstar-level players. You know, if you go back you know, during the, the four-month layoff, I think a lot of the talk was, what's the quality of play going to look like? Is defense going to be ahead of offense? Which teams are going to have their rhythm? And then you know, who all is going to show up? I think those were some of the major questions. What we've seen is um, at least all the healthy stars are out here, and they're playing like stars. I mean, I think you guys saw it last night with Anthony Davis, 40-plus points. LeBron's had some really nice games uh, so far to start the season for the Lakers, but it's not just them. You know, Giannis was dominant against Boston. Uh, you know, Damian Lillard had some nice performances. Harden almost had 50 for Houston. You go right down the list. I think the real takeaway that I have is, you know, basketball fans have been missing the sport for the last four months a lot. I think the Stars missed it, too. And I think they've all tried to come out here and make statements early, uh, you know, kind of get the, the momentum back after all the time off. And it's been, you know, kind of a whirlwind. Every single night we're getting somebody putting up crazy stats or, or you know, finishing with a game winner like the Sixers had last night. So I think it's been high-level play uh, and, to me, a very pleasant surprise. What are the biggest surprises, both for better and for worse, that you've seen so far? Well, I mean, I guess you know probably want to start with the the top of the league. I mean, for Milwaukee, they have they have multiple guys out of the lineup, so you're you're kind of wondering what are they going to look like, um, you know, other than blowing the lead the last night again or a couple of nights ago against Houston. I think that they've been playing at a very high level throughout the scrimmage plays. Giannis is back in incredible shape, and he st- says he can still get into even better shape. But I mean, he's averaging like you know thirty something points, sixteen something rebounds, um, and acting like he's not skipped the beat. For me, that was kind of a question because they had incredible momentum, uh, you know, coming in uh, down the stretch of the season before the shutdown. All of it gets lost, and then you're in a situation where you don't have home court advantage down here. So I think that impacts the favorites more than anybody else because you know, they were counting on having a dominant home court run uh, throughout the playoffs there in Milwaukee. So I would consider their ability to kind of not skip a beat despite not having. Uh, Eric Bledsoe and, and Pat Connaughton um, to be uh, you know a pleasant surprise from their standpoint. Uh, you know you look in the Western Conference. I'm not sure there's tons of surprises to me. The two best teams all season long were the LA teams. They've both looked incredible. Um, and then you, you you circle Houston as well as being a team that shook itself up uh, around the trade deadline and, and is just playing a different style of basketball than everybody else. And, and they present total matchup challenges for almost anyone they they take the court with. Um, that sort of played out as we've expected in the Western Conference. Um, you know, past that, uh, you know, I think it's kind of the, the usual suspects uh, you know, all the way around. So as far as the Lakers, you know, obviously they clinched the number one seed, but that doesn't mean as much. We understand that. But nevertheless, it signifies that you're a very good team. I'm wondering, though, do you think they have enough if – Davis and James are not at the top of their game, basically, almost every game. 
You know, they're a top-heavy roster. They always were. You know, losing Rondo and Avery Bradley doesn't help that mix. You know, I, I mentioned Houston's ability to create matchup problems. Like, if you go in against a, a team that plays all smalls and they've got James Harden and a Russell Westbrook, you'd sure like to have a deeper guard core of defenders than the Lakers have right now. So I think that's a potential weakness for them. The other big thing that they need is the outlet, you know, release valve type score, the number three score who you can really count on. Is that Kyle Kuzma? You know, is that someone else who could step forward? I think they're waiting to determine that. There's an awful lot of pressure on Anthony Davis to carry the offense for them and, and LeBron, of course, as well. And if you look back at LeBron's title teams, uh, they, they've always had third scores, you know, whether it's a Kevin Love or, uh, you know, a Ray Allen chipping in with, with Chris Bosh down to Miami. They've also had guys who could just kind of step forward as really talented role guys and just consistently give you offense around the basket, you know, whether that, uh, you know, Tristan Thompson in Cleveland uh, served that role for a while. Chris Anderson, the Birdman, uh, did it down in Miami, too. And they're just really not necessarily constructed like that. They're, they're kind of a by-committee team, just hoping that everybody can chip in a little bit. Um, and we'll see if that's enough. I mean, one reason why I've picked the Clippers over the Lakers is because of their depth. And we saw how, uh, I guess, hard-fought their opening night game was, even though the Clippers were down multiple players. I think if you add Lou Williams and Montrezl Harrell back to the mix for the Clippers, that winds up giving them a big bench advantage. They're going to win the minutes uh, by a lot when LeBron is off the court. And to me, that's probably going to be the determining factor if those two teams meet in the Western Conference Finals. But the Lakers are right there in the mix. I mean, they've been uh, the one seed pretty much the whole season long. They've been steady. They have great chemistry. They support each other. They believe in their leaders. Uh, with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, there's not the kind of sniping that we've seen from some previous LeBron teams. And so I think from that standpoint, they have to be regarded as a very top threat uh, in this title chase. So matchups are everything. The Nuggets are third. The Rockets are fourth. Can either either one of those teams take down either the Lakers or Clippers? Do you see one matchup in there that's more dangerous than the others? I mean, I think Houston's just uh, a trickier uh, puzzle to solve for the top teams than Denver. I just don't think Denver has enough firepower. They've been really hit with a lot of bad news. I mean, their coach got the coronavirus. Nikola Jokic got the coronavirus. He was stuck over in Europe for a while. Uh, you go right down the list. I mean, guys are, are banged up and injured out of the lineup. They just don't feel to me like a team that has enough momentum to really make a, a long and extended push. Now, that's not taking anything away from Jokic, you know, one of the best players in the entire league, but I just don't – the vibe that I've got around them is not, oh, there is some major threat to these teams that are coming out here looking like juggernauts. Now, Houston, uh, their story could be totally different. I mean, they had two very frantic comebacks here in their first two games, and that wound up you know, leaving them kind of uh, on top of the world after pulling off uh, both of them. Uh, against Dallas, uh, you know, and against Milwaukee. I mean, I, I think they kind of stunned the world in both those games. If they wound up losing those games late, they didn't succeed with the comebacks. You know, maybe people aren't quite as high on them, but you know, Harden's an incredible one-on-one player. Can kind of create offense everywhere. They take more three-pointers than even they've taken in previous seasons, which has always been like record-setting numbers. Um, they are very difficult to match up with. They put centers out there on islands. Uh, and they're they're very good at exploiting whoever your weakest defensive link is, and they get to the basket a lot, um, you know, making use of all that space. It's just a tough combination. Now, can you figure them out? Um, I think so over the course of a series. If one of their bigs, you know, their quote-unquote bigs, P.J. Tucker or Covington, winds up getting injured, are they kind of dead in the water? I would assume so because I just don't really like their depth that much. Uh, but they're going to be a, a nightmare matchup for somebody in, in the first or second round, you know, one of those true contenders. Is going to have to go through Houston, I imagine. 
What is your level of faith as far as the Raptors? Very high, and it's been high for a month. You know, this is a team I've kind of been hyping up even before we got down here. I feel like they're making me look smart a little bit, uh, but it was kind of an easy bet. I mean, look, they're they're pretty much chronically underrated by the media, so um, it's always good to take a second look with them. But the elements that have made them so consistent all season without Kawhi Leonard are the same elements that are going to make them, uh, you know, a tough out here in Orlando. They have great chem- uh, chemistry and camaraderie. They have a very creative coach in Nick Nurse, who's coached at every level, uh, you know, internationally and here, you know, in the minor leagues in America. So he's not going to be thrown off by the empty gyms. Um, they've got, you know, great defensive length, versatility, and schemes. They know how to highlight um, whatever their opponent's weaknesses are and try to exploit them. Um, they've got multiple ball handlers and scorers in the backcourt, which is helpful. And they've got a lot of length uh, in their front court offensively as well. And, and they've got a bunch of shooters. They can spread out. Um, and, and play, you know, big, but still, you know, have plenty of space to operate in. I mean, that's a nice formula. They don't have that traditional big name superstar level player, which I think leads them to be a little bit underrated as well. But they're a really disciplined and together group. And when you're coming down here to Disney World, have to spend three months together. I mean, that's the kind of team that you fear because they're not going to beat themselves and never going to shoot themselves in the foot. They're going to make you work for absolutely everything. And I think if anybody comes out of the Eastern Conference besides Milwaukee, I think it's going to be Toronto. I know Boston gets all this attention and this buzz, but I think Toronto is, is clearly better than Boston. And if they matched up in, head-to-head in a series, I would take Toronto for sure. So would there be any extra juice to the Raptors and the Clippers, or it's the one time where a free agent leaving doesn't have the impact because Kawhi Leonard won the title? Uh, because he went home, and because he never says anything anyway, so how could he have said anything on the way out the door and irritated anybody? Well, look, I mean, I think if you're the TV executives, you're less interested in that story, and you're more interested in putting the Lakers on against literally anyone. You know, they, they, I think the TV executives would rather have Lakers, Wizards over Clippers, uh, Raptors, as sad as that might be, but uh, I think that's kind of the name of the game down here. What we're seeing with the pandemic is just that the NBA's economics have been kind of stripped bare, right? I mean, they were staring at a situation. They had no revenue, potentially losing more than a billion dollars in, in television revenue, um, you know, without being able to play games. And when you're looking at how they construct the schedule uh, for television, you know, it's Zion, it's LeBron, it's Giannis, it's Harden. You know, they basically just rotate those guys every single night. And, um, you know, I, I think that would be the, the matchups that they view as having the biggest juice. You know, I think from an ideal standpoint for TV, I think they look at it as Giannis versus LeBron in the finals. I think, you know, it kind of shades of the 1991 finals with uh, Magic and Michael, right, where you've got the, the older statesmen or the elder statesmen um, on the prestige franchise versus the young up-and-comer uh, from the Midwest trying to get over the hump. I mean, I think that's sort of their, their dream matchup from a TV standpoint. Um, but we'll see if they get there. You know, like I said, I would still pick the Clippers to beat the Lakers, and you could get a rematch between, uh, you know, Kawhi and Giannis, and that wouldn't be too bad either. You talk about being in that bubble. How much do you think it's going to wear on guys as we get into September and then obviously the first part of October? Well, I think it will, but, I mean, a couple of things help. First of all, uh, look at what's happening with baseball, right? I mean, you're getting to see it right in your face if you're an NBA player. It's like, look, this bubble is actually helping us do our jobs. It's making sure that we can make money. The alternative is, you know, we're all testing positive, like the, the St. Louis Cardinals or the Miami Marlins. The sport might be getting shut down and all these other crazy uh, things taking place in other sports. 
you know, the, the chaotic element that has just kind of paralyzed a lot of our society right now is just not taking place here in the bubble at all. It feels strangely normal. I have to keep reminding myself, like, you know, stay vigilant. Make sure you're wearing the mask. Don't take any unnecessary risks because you know, it really does feel like we're kind of segmented from the rest of the society down here. And I think that for the players, that's a great thing because it means they can concentrate on basketball. And sure, their life might be boring. Maybe they're not getting to go to the clubs that they want to go to. But, you know, ultimately, like, you know, the money does talk and, and the competition talks. And I think guys are settling in and, and finding their groove down here. Now, it's a long run, you know, and for the, the title level teams like the Lakers or the Bucks, I mean, they're really not going to play meaningful games until after Labor Day. And that's an awful long way away. So I do think that there's the, the chance for cabin fever to set in. But the NBA has been very strictly enforcing all of their rules. I think the players kind of know what the deal is by this point, And most of them are, you know, very diligent about following the rules. If you, you walk around campus, you see guys wearing masks all the time. Um, you know, you, you, same thing with coaches and, and other, uh, you know, team executives, league executives. I mean, people are bought into the vision down here because they're seeing that it can work. And the fact that nobody's tested positive so far is just the, the kind of the analytics and the numbers behind uh, the fact that their, their, their plan and program was well-designed. So I think, um, you know, at this point, some of the concerns that people had of, oh, people are just going to want to leave the bubble and give up on it and everything else, I think the conditions have changed a little bit and people are understanding the benefit of this kind of approach. One thing Donovan Mitchell said a couple weeks ago was that it was really strange for the players, but real positive that, like, after dinner they can sit around a table and talk and, you know, maybe you see a friend from, a, you know, another team or something, but not getting hit up by fans and autographs. You know, they're free of their celebrity, which for some of them, and that hasn't happened for a long time. I mean, Donovan's in his third year in the league. But for a guy who's seven or ten years deep into a career and is a big name, that's got to be a really odd feeling. Oh, for sure. Well, imagine if you're LeBron and you're playing in front of 200 people at these Lakers games. Like, when was the last time LeBron only had 200 people watching him play basketball? Probably like fourth grade, right? (laughs) I mean, it's a completely different experience for him. And it's funny you mentioned Donovan Mitchell. He was actually the first person who welcomed the media out of our quarantine. We were stumbling around trying to have our eyes get adjusted to the light. And Donovan Mitchell was like, hey, guys, welcome to the bubble, you know? So I think he's had the right attitude uh, kind of the whole way through. And, I, you know, it's one of those situations where life throws you curveballs and it's kind of like, you know, you've got to make the best of a bad situation. You can sit there and mope about it and you can say, oh, I can't go to the club. And, and you can kind of, you know, check out on everything and just play video games all day. Or, you know, you can go to summer camp and make some new friends and uh, go fishing and maybe go golfing and, you know, try to win a championship. And ultimately, like, I think a lot of these guys, it gets forgotten sometimes just how ruthlessly competitive they are. I mean, think about how much dedication it takes, time, money, energy, um, you know, fitness, all that stuff to get your body in a position to compete for an NBA title. I mean, these guys are workaholics. They really care about their craft. And, you know, you come out here and you start to realize, okay, well, here's the terms of the new game, right? We, we don't have to travel anymore. We do get to hang out a little bit more. We don't get all the, uh, the luxuries of, of home, but we do get a really nice court to play basketball on. It's an incredible stage. I mean, it feels like a, a TV stage uh, where these guys are playing. Uh, you do get to measure yourself directly against all the other most competitive players night after night after night in the same venue. Um, and I think for the, the people out there who are the most competitive guys, they're loving this because, uh, you know, this is just pure basketball competition head-to-head. Ben, as always, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks, from, uh, thanks for joining us from the bubble. All right. Thanks, guys. Take care.